Welcome back to the Team GPT Podcast. I got my coffee. I got my acai juice. I'm in nature. And I'm Ryan and a special guest today, a good friend of ours and one of the trainers at the gym, Stephanie Scoville. Steph, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm just chilling. Once again, we're in nature. I didn't have a virtual acid trip background today, so I thought, let's try to do something fun. I'm in, a, I'm, in, I'm in the brain of an eight-year-old girl in a Pixar movie. Ryan, if that is not a representation of your life, I don't know what it is. <laughs> but yeah, um, Steph, uh, just uh, give us a little bit of background about who you are, um, you know, where sort of your fitness journey began, how you got to become one of the trainers at the gym, um, sort of your athletic history, if you will. Okay. Um... So I grew up in a really active family. Uh, my parents have always been runners, so I grew up running. Um, that ended up leading to going to school for exercise science, which is what really brought me to the gym, because it was uh, GPT was already a, a approved site for my practicum and internship, so that's what brought me to the gym. So I got to do my practicum with Ryan at GPT. And I stayed. <laughs> um, can't get rid of me. <laughs> uh, do you like, want me to go into like, my I mean, I'm going to, like, right away, I mean, I remember, like, you came in and you handed me, like, a resume. And right away I was like, what the hell is Grand National Champion for Jump Rope? I was like, what, what, is this, what does this mean? So yeah. I, now I'm forcing you, you have to tell a little bit about that. All right. So... I was really lucky with the school system I went to. There's a jump rope team. So one of our PE teachers in the school system at, in Torrington, uh, she started a jump rope team. And I, my mom was like, I don't know what that is. Like, sure, whatever, you can be on the team. So I tried out in third grade, made it in third grade, made it to my first nationals in fourth grade. And then from there, I just kept building on it. And it took me a long time, but I want to say it was either my senior year. No, it was not my senior year of high school. I think it was the year after I graduated high school. Then I won my first grand national title in single rope freestyle. So that's where it gets complicated to try to explain the sport <laughs> itself. I, I like to throw it out there as it's kind of like a cross between a track meet. So like all these different events with the difference between like running on the track versus the field events. So there's kind of a comparison there crossed with gymnastics. So there's all different events, different like creativity, different skills. Um, freestyle is kind of like a floor routine where you have certain criteria that you need to hit. There's a panel of judges. Each couple of judges is looking for very specific things. So there's like content, there's difficulty, um, whether or not you miss, so if you trip on the rope and get tied up a little bit, how well you recover. So if, if you have like a minor miss, it could be less than a second. A major miss is like you're tangled up. Um, and then just the creativity too and how you carry yourself throughout the routine. If you look tired out at the end, you're going to get marked down. So you have your a little over a minute that you perform and yeah, they, at the end, they compile all the routine or the scores and they rank you that way. So with nationals, it's not just a one day thing. It's like a five day event. So you 
do your competition, your age division day, compete, then you qualify for Grand Nationals. So that's where the Nationals versus Grand Nationals comes in. Um, I guess it would be kind of like prime time would be considered like Grand Nationals, but you have to do it two days in a row instead of just once. So at Grand Nationals, you perform it again. And this time you're not on a floor with eight other quadrants going at the same time. It's just you and a panel of judges and the audience. So definitely ups the ante. And they score you there against the people that made it to Grand Nationals. And that's how you become a Grand National Champion. And it's all different events. So yeah. When was the last time you actually competed in jump rope? When was the last time? Yeah. <clears throat> um, maybe four years ago? Three years ago? Okay. Three years ago. Or four. No, I don't know. Somewhere in that range. Close enough. Close enough. Um, so, but now you compete in powerlifting. Mm -hmm. um, oh, first off, like, how did that transition go? and sort of the shift from being a jump rope champion to probably one of the best powerlifters, not at our gym, but just in the nation currently? Um, I don't know. I've always enjoyed being in the gym, so I've always been comfortable in that atmosphere. Um, it's pretty much, as far as the day-to-day -day goes, seamless transition because no matter what you're coming in and putting whatever work you need to put in getting it done so it's like that the concept of like not i don't know how to explain it it's just part of your life to come in and get the work done rather than like thinking about oh how am i gonna work like find the time to get this in it's just do it which is how i'm broke i think with one way so how a lot of new lifters, like the first time they get on a platform, uh, freak out. Um, we've had, we've had someone that like literally just forgot commands and just went for the lift and like afterwards, like, Oh my God, I realized what happened. I'll be fine. In the next one. We had someone that just went pale white as a ghost on the platform and squatted and forgot to stand back, stand back up, just like hit the ground and that was it. And then was fine after that one too. Um, do you think like doing the jump rope and being on that stage made your transition into powerlifting where you're same thing, you're on the platform by yourself, you got the three judges staring at you and you know, your first meet was a local meet at our place, which maybe only had, I don't know, 40, 50 spectators, but like you went to regionals after that, which had a couple hundred people. And then you've been in prime time the last two years, which probably had a thousand people in the stands and then there was tons at home watching too um do you think that like doing the jump rope stuff helped you kind of transition onto the platform and it went so like you know a smoother transition than someone who's never done it before yeah definitely because from a very young age i was competing on a pretty big stage so and it took me a long time it didn't happen overnight and i think that's you have to go through that so you have to go through that extreme amount of stress and pressure and learn that a little bit is good. But if you put yourself under this like extreme level of stress and pressure, you're something you're going to explode. Like something's going to give. So like, I remember 
I want to say it was like seventh grade. I made it to Grand Nationals for a single rope speed event and I killed it. I did great. And we, our team had never had anybody make it that far in a speed event before, um, a single rope speed event. But the following year, I had a growth spurt, couldn't do that event at all, put so much stress and pressure on myself to get back to that level. I went to nationals, bombed it, and then sat and cried in the quiet bathroom with my feet up on the toilet for five hours and everyone thought I was missing. They were all terrified and I didn't want to talk to anyone. It was a complete breakdown. And yeah, so like you learn. I learned from that. Like I survived. It wasn't the end of the world. You get up, you move on, and you figure out what's going to work for you. And then I made the switch to freestyle. So I focused more on freestyle and it worked out in the long run because that's what I won Grand Nationals with. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of years of crying after events because I put these expectations on myself and it didn't get me anywhere. So it's, I like to look at it as go in, have a fun time. And we do this because we enjoy it. And if you're not enjoying it, why are you doing it? So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I knew this was, you know, we talked about before we started recording, this was going to be your introduction, but I know I wanted to get that in there because like, I think, like I said, think of all these people that their first meet, they're really freaked out. They're even freaked out to even sign up for a meet just being in front of everyone. And, you know, and you've seen it the last couple of years at nationals where you've been on prime time and there's been, there's girls that are in your flight that are, uh, that are great lifters that don't, that haven't performed as well at nationals, probably because of the stress is one of the things, um, you know, a couple people that like we had on our chart of like who were paying attention to for you to try to beat. And then, you know, very early in the meet, I'm like, okay, we don't have to worry about them anymore because maybe they were so stressed they had a bad squat or whatever it was and they're kind of out of the meet now where I've actually like said this to some of our other lifters like I sometimes wonder if you're not amped up enough in the back room because like mm -hmm. this year at nationals like you were just kind of joking around with Sophie like in between lifts and I'd be like hey uh why don't you take that as a warm-up um yeah and and like but that's a that's something that I think actually helps you a lot um so that way, when you got to that third deadlift and we had to like kind of get you a little bit more amped up for the, the big pull, um, you've got that energy left. You didn't stress yourself into a point where you have nothing left and then you can amp it up for that third and get it. And that I think is like something that I, you know, if a lot of people could learn, it's okay. Like you just said, it's fun. We're not like, you were fourth in the country last year at nationals and, um, what were you and when we placed the when the IPF put out the numbers, you were ninth, right? Yeah. So I mean you were the ninth best sixty-three in the world. Like and I think four of the ten were from the US. Um and you were fourth in the US. So I mean like you were there's only five sixty-threes in the world that were ahead of you. But if you if if you looked at what you were like in the back room of nationals you were probably one of the most relaxed ones. I mean, I'm not, not saying that there wasn't anyone else, but some people are, you know, they might be relaxed in different ways, but you were just like talking to Sophie, eating chips, having fun, like, like no big deal. And other people were like really stressed about it. And you could see either the breakdown during or after. Um, and like I said, that's why I, I wanted to get in the, the jump rope thing too. Cause at first off, I think it's cool. And second, I, you know, I think that really helps you a lot with, competing because for you unlike some of these new people you're just like all right this is fine I've done this before um so new people could really try to pay attention to that and realize that it's 
we're not getting anything from this. It's literally just because you enjoy doing it. So just have fun and don't freak out. Yeah, exactly. And in the long run, if you have a bad day, three weeks away, no one else is going to even remember that. It's You're the only yeah. one that makes it a big thing. So. I said this yesterday at the gym. Um, I said the only person that might care is your mom. And your mom probably doesn't care either. Like, it's literally just you because no one cares. Like, you tell your friends that you power lift and they don't even know what that means. Yeah, exactly. So you can it, person, they'd be like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, so, like, as long as you don't put that pressure on yourself, like, go and enjoy it. And, you know, this is a hobby for 99.9% .9 of you. You should enjoy it. And if you're stressing yourself out that much, then it's not, it's not going to be fun. Um, I'm going to stop that because I'm going to turn this introduction into just a talk like that. So, Syed, keep going. Uh, well, I did have a short follow-up. Okay. Uh, might lead to, uh, other stuff, uh, both as a coach, Ryan, and as an athlete, Seth, um, what are like some of the things that either a, you yourself use to sort of get beyond those sort of mental barriers, if you will, to sort of bring yourself into a zone to like lift properly or coach properly. And like, if you were to give advice to other people into regards to like what they should be doing to sort of relieve some of that pre-lifting stress, what would you say? From a day-to-day -day basis or like from a competition standpoint? From whatever basis you want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so another, another thing from my past would be I was also part of a competitive dance environment. So a big thing that my dance teacher was about was when you walk through that door, you check everything at the door it doesn't come in with you. Whether or not you are fighting with one of the people in the group that you are actively working with at the time, or you just had a really bad day, it doesn't matter. And that's that. Bottom line, check it at the door. So when it comes to like getting amped and getting ready for that, when you get ready to have your set, it's, it's you in the bar and that's it. Focus on your cues. Take it internal rather than mind somewhere else and that's when mistakes happen I, I like i i mean alan cosgrove always talks about like the gym should be the best part of your day so i like i like you know leave it at the door like when you come in we all have shit we've all got jobs it's we're in a pandemic it's fucking weird right now but like the gym is meant to be it's meant to be a place where you can get better a place where you can not have to worry about all those out, outside stressors like and just come in and get better at what you're doing, enjoy doing it, have fun. And like I said, like an Alan Costa says, like it's the, it should be the best part of your day. Like when you leave the gym, you should feel better than when you came in. So I like that, like you just leave it at the door, go. What about, I mean, like you said, I mean, you already talked a little bit about it, but yeah, what about like on, like on meet day, is there anything, anything before the meet even starts, either before your warmups or before your first attempt that you kind of, use to get yourself into it or you just it's second nature now i don't know i like to yeah before i go you'll see me pause and i like glare at the bar that's me like resetting just like hit the reset button and get in the zone like when i'm in the back room the reason why i'm so relaxed is because i'm not thinking about that lift at the moment because once you start thinking and overthinking and rethinking and then reworking, and it's just a mess. So I go out there, reset, clean slate, 
and go because you already put the work in so you just have to trust it like I did it all already I just have to go and have fun with it I think uh definitely if I was not that like I'm an amazing lifter or anything uh but um having spent time in the mental health field for a while um people underestimate how important just taking a breath could be um you know we train in the gym all the time like big air bracing hard right but uh personally and i think what everyone should do is even before starting a rep or getting up to the bar one huge breath just sort of release everything before you start rebracing again um we tell people who are going through panic attacks anxiety attacks like hey deep breaths like relax um it just helps them get centered again i feel like that'd be a cool thing to sort of reintroduce into lifting be like hey you know we brace really hard but let's also just learn to breathe again um did we talk about that or, or did you just come up with that uh probably at this point we've talked about so many things it's probably a combination just, so because like i'm trying to write some information on the three lifts and like one of the things that i wrote in there which was like as you step up to the bar or as you before you lay down to bench I wrote in there, like, take a deep breath and kind of breathe everything out and just relax for a second and then get set and go. Um, to take that one to two seconds of a deep breath before you have to lift instead of just rushing up. Um, like you just said, kind of centering yourself, you know, cleaning the slate and getting ready before you actually have to take the lift. So that's why I was wondering, I just didn't know if we had talked about that or not. So, like, say you have um, an athlete. This, is go this goes for both of you. Uh, is an athlete comes in and they're just a, sort of a little off or a little just stressed out. Um, how would you approach that person's training for that day? You want me to go first? You want to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. So if it's like a long-term stressor and it's really taking a toll on them, just take the intensity back a little bit. Having one day to just, have a little more fun with it is not going to hurt them in the long run when it comes to training. So it's more about how do we get you in here to enjoy it and keep you coming back rather than just like driving them into the ground. That would be my, my go-to. Yeah, I think it depends, you know, like, the, you know, it depends on what the stress is. Um, sometimes it might be, it might be as much as just like, Hey, you know what, let's, kind of take this day off and not even train, or it might be trying to get their mind off whatever is bothering them um, and talk about something different. So they're just in a new train of thought. Um, it might be just joking around to get them to relax and breathe a little bit. Um, it kind of depends. Um, like I said, it's, it's the idea of like it, the gym should be stress-free. So if we can just trying to get into that mindset of like, relaxed, not worrying about whatever's going on outside and getting into the moment and doing what they have to do. Um, because more often than not, once you get started, you're, you're now focused on what you're doing instead of focusing on what you walked through the door with. So it's, you can kind of get past it and keep going where it's just getting that first step. It's like, if you haven't started yet and you're stressed, now it's, it's more difficult. So like I said, it might be just getting to relax. It might be like, okay, you know, sit for a few minutes and, just kind of chill out. It might be take your pre-workout so you get amped out of your mind. Like it, you know, everyone's a little bit different. Um, 
And I think as trainers, like a lot, I've said this in the podcast before, I think a lot of trainers forget the personal aspect. Um, if the person doesn't like working with you when, when if you don't know them well enough to be able to give them the right thing at the right moment, um, it's not going to work. Um, so, you know, like you'll, you'll see coaches, like we said this year at nationals, we, you know, we saw coaches that were like so amped up that they, you know, they're hitting their, their lifters. And if I, I'm pretty sure if I hit you, Stephanie, they would just backfire completely. So yeah. like, like it's, you know, I'm not going to do that. Like where we do have some lifters that that works for, but for the most part, like I said, you have to know the person. So when you're working with someone like you, you know, you might have a different response for if Stephanie is stressed and if you're stressed, I had, because like, maybe I wanted, you know, something different. Um, and then you start to follow, like, you know, you can see like on meet days, like, what do people do normally? Like, I, I mean, one of the things that stands out with you, Stephanie, is like, I, I don't know why this is one, but like, I always know before the meet, someone's braiding your hair. Like every, like you're doing that all the time. Like every meet, like you've like, and I, and it's, but it, like, it's like, I mean, to me, like when I was pitching, I had a very set um, plan before every game. I listened to the same songs. I did the same warm up. I did everything the same. I was very ritual. I had a very strong ritual that I was very set into. And I think having a ritual helps keep your mind in a better place because then you kind of, you just, you kind of go into that second nature of the ritual instead of not knowing what to do. And like, to me, like, I, I, I don't know, I just, every meet you do that, it's like, it, it's th that thought of, it's almost like it, the meet's getting ready. Um, and depending on the person, like I said, like some people might want to come in and they might want to foam roll for five minutes and just kind of be left alone. Or maybe they want to um, come in and just, and talk for an hour, so I had before they touch a barbell. Um, and, you know, it's so different. You have to be able to read the person. Um, so it depends. Yeah. That's so funny. Cause I don't even realize I do it anymore. Cause it's so it's second nature. That's, a, that's a jump rope thing. So my colors for jump rope were always blue and white. So I, I still paint my nails because our team color is blue also. So I paint my nails blue and I braid my hair because every single jump rope competition, we would braid our hair. So it's, it flips a switch in my brain. Like it's go time kind of thing. Like I'm mentally preparing myself the ritual is a big one. Yeah. I said that was a, me with pitching. Like I, I, before I stepped on the field, I listened to the same, the same songs. I got dressed the exact same way, warmed up the same way. Everything was exactly the same because the moment I started it, you know, for the next like hour and a half, it was just building up until I actually got on the mound. And that way, like there was no thought, like nothing broke that habit. Like I just did the, the ritual every time. So once it started, I was in game mode and you go where I think a lot of people on meet day or even on training days, like kind of don't have that. And they're yeah. just kind of all over the place and they probably need to think a little bit more about what they're doing in the moment. And like you said, say like, you know, take that breath before, like take the breath. And then Stephanie said, like, think of the cue. So like before you unrack a massive weight, think about it, set yourself, then go do it. Um, and I don't think everyone does that. I think a lot of people kind of like it's, they rush, um, you know, like kind of like everything else. It's like rush, 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 rush. And like, it's okay to take the extra three to five seconds just to set yourself, take a breath, go through your cues real quick and then get under the bar. Yeah. You have to be intentional. That's a, yeah. I like that. Like this is not, a lot of people are not 
they're not intentional in their lifts. They just kind of like, they walk through it and they get it done. Um, it's like when Ed Cohn would talk about like, you know, treat 135 like your max and your max at 135. Like I see people get hurt with light weights because they don't walk it out the right way. They don't brace the right way. But then with, you know, under a heavy weight, they actually do everything correctly and they're fine. But under the light weights, they're like, eh, whatever. But no, it's got to be, you know, like it, it, your warm up to your second attempt, your third time, everything's got to be structured. It's got to be, it, there's got to be a, a purpose to it. So, actually, this, this is going to be, it's going to be a weird question. Um, that so, doesn't sound like us at all. <laughs> we, uh, you mentioned the idea of like, uh, like adjusting programming to a person depending on like the day, if they're super stressed, if they need something more or less. Um, so say you're in your mind palace, right? What books or what certifications and what stuff are you reaching for to adjust programming in a certain way? Like say if someone needs to relax more, are you pulling out like, ooh, I remember I read that yoga book that one time, maybe I should do something with this or, oh, I took that certification Maybe he'll have fun doing weightlifting today instead of powerlifting, right? Strongman, I went to that meet one time. Like, what are you reaching for most often? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I think, I mean, Said, I mean, Said, I think with you and me, it's almost always humor. You know, try to get the, you know, I think humor works for a lot of things because once you can get someone to laugh, they can generally, you, you can see someone who's stressed. If you can get them to laugh, their shoulders will drop and all of a sudden they'll feel better. Um, you know, and I joke a lot at the gym and I think that's a big one is just, you know, th this is, this is a hobby. You should enjoy doing it. If you're not enjoying it, stop. So like, let's laugh and have fun about it. So I think that's kind of my go-to with all stuff. Um, but that's more like, I would say that's the art of this and not the science. Like the, the science of coaching is like you do certain exercises for certain sets and reps and you work on things to base, uh, but like the art of it is how do you get the most out of the person in the moment? Like, is it, do I have to yell at you? Do I have to get you to laugh? Um, it depends. And everyone's so different. Um, I mean, like I said, like at nationals, like, I mean, I think for the first eight attempts, I basically was not even trying to do amp Stephanie up at all and then the ninth one I lied to you and was like you need this attempt for fourth place I'm I don't like, even realize that <laughs> okay see so it didn't matter anyway another shit matters um I told I was like you need this I'm like you need this attempt for, for third place uh for fourth place um you need to get this it's a PR deadlift let's go and that was the first one that I was kind of like pushing a little bit more um, and then when you got it, I was like, yeah, I lied. You had fourth place already. We were just going for the thousand and three pound total at that point. Um, yeah. but I kind of want, you know, I thought like that little bit extra would help, but it depends on the person. Um, like when Dave was lifting, I think Dave was the same. I think it was the same day as you. I think he was that afternoon, uh, before Dave went up for attempts, we were talking about stuff that was, had nothing to do with lifting. And then I was like, Oh, by the way, bars loaded, get out there because I wanted him to be completely relaxed and not worried about it. Um, where then like patients on the other hand, like her last deadlift, I was gave like a semi motivational talk. Um, that was where like, I don't, you know, if I gave a motivational talk to some people, they'd be like, get out of my face. Um, and that's the art of it. That's that personal part of the personal training that like, 
when you know the member well enough that you can pull up the right thing in that right moment. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know what you're saying with like, you know, this book or the situation, but I, I think I said it's so individualized. It's so personal um, that I'm, I, I think you have to know that. And like I said, I'm going to respond to almost everyone differently. Um, yeah. So yeah, that one's kind of tough. Um, what, like, so Steph, like I know, so Ryan trains a lot of like high level athletes. I don't know if you've trained like a lot of powerlifters or a lot of like, uh, people who compete on a like, uh, semi-regular basis. Uh, but has, uh, your point of view changed, uh, sort of your intensity in training others because they're not at like an elite level or at like an athletic level? Or are you just more focused on making everyone at the same level? Sort of like, what are your philosophies on training people dependent on Yeah, I would break it down more to what are their goals. So everybody's goals are just as important, like one person to the next. So how do we get each person to get where they want to be? Whether it be like, if I'm at the YMCA, whether it be like, I want to be able to get up and down the stairs without pain. Then we'll work on that. And that is so important. And that's, that's what's going to make their life happier and more fulfilling. So, and then when I'm training through GPT, usually it's more like, I want to hit these numbers. These are my goals and let's get there. So I'll switch gears depending on what their goal is, but either way, they're working just as hard to get to their specific goal. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense, for sure. Um, I think this is, um, this also it might be a dumb question because sort of just answered it, but like, at what point would you consider a person that's sort of like a, a, a general population person, just someone who just walks around, lives like, to like a fitness goer, to a fitness enthusiast, to like an athlete. And like, what are those divisions that like you would see, right? Cause I know like a lot of people, you know, we talked about this yesterday, like I, I enjoy playing basketball. I am not a basketball player by any means. Like I'll go out and I'll throw the ball around, but I'm not like a basketball enthusiast, uh, uh, basketball like, like an actual basketball player or I don't play at an elite level I just sort of go have fun um so like is in lifting do you see that and say you want to transition a person from one section to the other that's a very long-winded question but it makes sense in my head (laughs) um that's coming out I'll start with this one I, I think like I mean a lot of coaches talk about um or trainers talk about like as long as you're doing stuff you're an athlete I'm very particular about like what a sport is and what an athlete is. I think there has to be competition involved. So just the fact that you're training to me doesn't necessarily mean you're an athlete. So like if you're going to compete in powerlifting, now you're an athlete because you are competing in that sport and, and against other people. Um, so I think like, and there's the difference between like the, the just the normal gym goer and like the fitness enthusiast, like you said, is like the normal gym goer is the person that kind of goes three days a week, gets their their, their workout in because they, they, they think they have to, you know, it's, it's just kind of like a thing they do. It's, if they don't do it, it's not the end of the world. 
Um, but they do it because they, you know, they want to be healthier. They want to work on whatever. That's fine. I think the fitness enthusiast is more like it becomes more like an actual part of their day. They're thinking like, Ooh, you know, I got the gym later. I'm going to do this. And like, they're, it's a little bit more, it takes up more of their, their thought process or even like when they're doing things that aren't gym related, um, you know, just in their, in their normal life, there's going to be more of a fitness, uh, level to it. Like, you know, like, like Stephanie, like you like to hike, like, the, the, the average person is not necessarily going to go and do all those things because that's going to be harder. Um, there's a fitness component to it. Um, so I think the enthusiast is someone that's like really putting more into it in, in life. And then like, so the athlete would be, it's now a sport and it's now something that they want to excel in and excel is different for every person. Um, you know, it's just getting like hitting PRs and, and powerlifting is means you're excelling for yourself. Um, at that point, it now becomes like, it becomes driven. It's not just like I do this because I enjoy it or I do this because I have to, you know? So like they said, the normal gym goer is like, I have to, the, enthu the enthusiast is like, I want to. And then, um, this, the athlete, it, it becomes more almost back to that. Like I have to, again, to get better, to be driven more. If that makes sense. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Like having the competition component, really helps tip it into athlete um and but I also think being an athlete is more of a mindset than anything else because I remember when I was going into freshman year of high school I had we had two cross-country coaches one of them pulled me aside and was like I need you to take this season seriously you are an athlete and it kind of switched something in my mind and we had the best season ever we ended up winning NBLs and it was I don't know I just it put me in this mindset that really helped push me so if you think of yourself as an athlete first while you're competing then it really helps to like get you going in that right direction um <laughs> and we uh Actually, one of uh, I, like the more recent reviews of our uh, podcast, people's favorites are uh, the Ryan's training influences. Um, Steph, I know Ryan is one of your training influences. Do you have any other training influences or any other background in fitness that sort of uh, help guide your programming or your coaching? Well, I mean, I grew up in a really active family, and my mom – like if we were to walk down into our gym space right now, she's got a big whiteboard that has all of her workouts for the week completely planned out and her goals written down in like a picture for motivation. So, I mean, that's a big one for me is like make sure you have a plan, make sure you have a way to implement it and a way to stick with it and follow through. So, I mean, I try to bring that in with any clients is like, this is our plan this is our goal and this is how we're going to get there. I mean, yeah. Other than that. Setbacks and stuff. Like I know more often than not, like we talked about the, the, the mental aspect of it, but the physical aspect of it, sometimes people mm -hmm. uh, aren't hitting the PRs or the um, say like you're competing and you're not hitting the numbers that you want to on uh, the peaking for a, a competition. How would you deal with that? And how would you, coach others to deal with that i think this is where the background in exercise science 
comes to work in my favor because I understand that progress doesn't just go up in a linear fashion forever. And a lot of people have a hard time understanding that, that you can only go up and up and up before you have some sort of dip and the dip is okay. It's okay to accept it, learn from it, know that it's part of it and then move on to keep going. Um, if you let it eat you alive, you're gonna make that dip bigger and it's gonna hurt you more in the long run. So to understand the process of, okay, we're gonna have ups, we're gonna have downs, we're gonna accept it, learn from it and move on. I think that like, that's a big one that I was talking about was like learning from it. Like it's the idea of, you know, I, and I use Kate uh, from the gym as a good example for this. Like, I think Kate for almost two years basically had the same exact total, but she got to it different ways. Um, but what it, what it was for me, it was a learning experience of like what didn't work for her and what did work for her. And then what happened was like, you know, once we kind of figured all that out, we applied everything together. And then like in her next meet, she had a huge PR total with room in the tank. Like, and that was, and that was, that was the big thing because like, and it, and I know for her it sucked and I know I'm sure there was times she wanted to kill me, but it's like, once you're past that beginning point where you're just go up and up and up, it becomes a lot more difficult. We have to figure things out better. And it's like, she said, it's a learning experience. Like, so I learned, okay, this doesn't work for her. This does. And there's some things that work for Kate that like, I would probably not do for many other people. Cause it, it just, it works for her. Um, and it carried over, like I said, she had a huge PR, uh, leading into, um, her meet leading into nationals, went to nationals, had another big PR. So like she had, um, I mean, she went two years without adding a pound to her total. And then in six months added like 55 or 60 pounds. And she's probably going to correct me. Cause I don't, but like, it was a huge PR. Um, so in my mindset was like, I said, it was like, okay, we now know a bunch of things that don't work for her. Okay. Now we can do this. But in the athlete's mind, it's like, well, this isn't working. And it, we have to try to get them to think more long-term. Um, and that's tough because I said, especially when you're a beginner, I mean, like I, Stephanie, like I was, th we were actually talking about this the other day, like your first meet you squatted 314. Do you remember what you were squatting like in training when you started training with me? I, 3250. Yeah, I was trying, I was trying to think about it and I was like, I don't, I was, I thought you were around like maybe 250 ish, yet 314 in your first meet. And then in your most recent meet, you had 385 and you've got room in the tank, but like it's gonna Now it's going to get harder. Like that, that step from 385 to 402 is going to be a whole lot harder than it was to go from 250 to 314 or 314 to 385. And I don't think every lifter understands that um, because they see that progress at the beginning and they're like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm going to squat 500 in, in a year and a half. And then like they get to a point and it's like, oh shit. Mm -hmm. um, so you're right. Like having that background, like we know like this is how it's going to work um, is important, but it's trying to get the, the, yeah. the person to understand that as well. And that's hard because like, you know, they're putting the work in, they want to get better. And like you said, getting better is not necessarily a linear thing. And we might have to take a step back before we take two steps forward. And that becomes a, a, a mental side of it. Like, 
when you take that little dip, is it going to be okay? Um, and some people are fine with it and some, some need more work. Yeah. I feel like this might be our last question. Um, but, uh, do you, Steph, cause I know me and Ryan and Brian have talked many times about how people misconstrue RPE and how it's just this big thing in fitness right now. Are there any training or fitness trends that you're seeing that I'm just good for lack of a better word, just want to talk about whether that is fascinating to you or annoying to you, or just, just saying that you just want to get out there to see what's going on. Uh, so fitness or training trends off the top of my head. I honestly am not sure, but, but I'm sure if you brought a couple of like scenarios up, maybe I could tell you if I'm a fan or not. I don't really know. I try not to follow a lot of the like, fads and trends and I yeah, try I think, to try and true stuff. I think Stephanie does a good job about not being in all the bullshit that's going on. Um, I laugh because like, you know, Joe Cap mentioned his podcast, um, like he ranked us as like one of the top strength gyms in the Northeast. And he said, because the women are great. And he mentioned, you know, the lifter that no one knows, Stephanie Scoville. And like, it's true because like you post on social media, like once a year. Um, so like no one, like I can, we go into nationals and I can look up everyone's numbers, but then I can go in and on their Instagram and see what they're actually doing. Like every day, no one has any clue about you. So like, you're, yeah, you probably aren't as into the trends as much. Um, I'll bring up one because we've been talking about a lot, a lot lately. And, and like, it's something that I do as a coach and you know, because you do it is like the accommodating resistance stuff. Um, we've had a couple of coaches tell us that like, we don't know what we're doing because we're using it. Um, cause the new trend in like the, the newer coaches is that it doesn't have any benefit and therefore why are you doing it when you could just be doing straight weight. And then you've got the old school, like, you know, like West side, which was what we talked about when I had mentioned like, um, our influences and I went off on West side for like an hour, um, was that they use obviously a lot of bands and chains. Um, and like I said, I mean, I like you obviously are using them because I programmed them for you. Um, so I'm, I, I guess I'll, I'll bring it into like, you know, if someone says to you, oh, that's stupid or, oh, that doesn't work. What do you think about that? Bottom line, progressive overload works. Like that's tried and true and that's a good way to do it. So if, if that's the difference between you overloading me in a way that's too much and it breaks me down then I can't train well the next week or the following week after that versus you're targeting a very specific portion of my lift that you know I need to work on without overloading the rest of it. And that way I can gain what I need to gain without killing everything else is the best way to go about it. There's a time and a place for it. I wouldn't do it all day, every day, but there's a time and a place for it. Would you, uh, I mean, this question goes to both of you. Um, is there, is, is there scenarios where like, uh, you find something works, I know Ryan mentioned this really briefly, something works very, very good for someone, but is horrible for a different person. And have you seen like situations where that's played out like real well? Um, I, I mean, I'll use like, so 
I like to use the specialty bars. I know a lot of gyms don't have access to them, but I think of like something like a giant camera bar for squats. Um, using it for a couple people right now, it helps load the squat a little bit differently. And it also uh, takes some pressure off your shoulders because you're holding it in a different position and you have to control the movement a little bit more because the bar will move on you. Um, so I've seen some very good benefits with that with some people, um, a couple people I said we're working on right now, where on the complete opposite end, and I, it's weird, but like someone like Matt Piscatelli, like every time we've tried the giant camera bar, it he, it hurts his back, like immediately. With like, And I'm talking at like 30% of his max. So it's not like, it's not like we're overloading it. It's just for whatever reason, that bar, the way he moves with it, jacks him up. So we just don't use it. We don't program it anymore. There's no need for it. Um, but someone like Shane right now, Shane really accelerates through his squat at the top. And when he does that, with, which is not a bad thing, but when he does it with a giant camera bar, it really throws him off balance, which sometimes when he does it, even with the straight bar, he'll lose a little bit of balance at the top. The giant camera bar is just maximizing that. So now he has to control it a little bit better. Um, otherwise, he's going to fly into the rack. Um, so that's one thing, like, you know, like I said, it works for, I think it works for some, but for Matt, like, horrific idea. Yeah. Similar concept too with, um, benching and the grip. If somebody has a minor shoulder issue or if they don't have a shoulder issue, but a certain grip bothers their bench, you avoid it and find a way around it. It's sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You just have to learn what works for which person. Probably would have been a good one to use that since Stephanie is the person that we worked around that with. Um, if anyone has seen her bench, like it's the narrowest grip ever, um, like an over tucks and really comes down low on her stomach. And like, we've been working on widening out her grip because I think it's going to help the bench. But like, we've been working on widening it since like November, um, you know, like one finger width at a time for like three to six weeks. And then we did some slingshot work where you could go wider, but get some help. We even got you in the bench shirt a little bit, which helps some too. And now your grip is, it's significantly wider than it was in October. Um, so, you know, for a lot of people, like it makes sense just to go wide grip, but like if we went right wide grip right away with you, it probably would have bothered your shoulder. So mm -hmm. we've been slowly doing it. Um, uh, I think for the sake of time, right. Uh, we're just going to call it there. Um, this intro went in eight different directions, so it's fine. Uh, we're definitely going to have you back on the podcast because there are some fascinating questions I just came up with that I'm going to have to ask you. Um, just, uh, yeah, where can people find you on social media? I don't even know my Instagram name. <laughs> I think it's like Scobes13, C-O-V-S-13. Um, be at the bottom of this YouTube video anyway. Yeah, Stephanie at GleasonPerformance.com. Um, and like your information is going to be on our website too, so please some Yeah. 